it is, Mr. Danny. Well, howdy, y'all. I am Danny Bombay. I am one half of the Market Fire podcast. We are live today post-election, mm-hmm. and uh, this isn't a political show, but I just want to congratulate everybody who is on that client list that's never going to be publicly exposed for winning their seats. <laughs> I hope your chosen candidate lost. I hate all of you. Well, I, you know what? We're all here, still here today, so that is, you know, post-election, we're all still here. Yep. America's still here. We're all still here. So we'll we'll figure a way through like we've always done. But that's just my opinion. Danny right. hates all of them. But me, we're going to work our yes. way through, folks. We're going to work our way through. And, yeah, and, uh, you know, state of Texas, you know, we all knew that he was going to go away with that one. Uh, we're not a political show. I, no, absolutely not. No, Get out not. of here. Uh, anyway, so what are we talking about today, Danny? we got some stuff to talk about. I want to do a rundown like we used to do back in the day. We're going to talk about Meta laying off more employees than Elon, and no one cares. Someone scammed Apple out of $17 million. I think they deserved it. No. Um, my best friend, Sam Bankman-Fried, oopsie-daisy, not quite the billionaire we all thought he was going to be. Uh, also, my friends over at Carvana, oops, the stock is so low, it's not even funny. 98%, yeah. you know. Yeah, right. Um is America running out of diesel? We're going to find out. It's not, but yeah, go ahead. And then um, the largest Powerball in American history. Oof. And it got delayed by a couple of hours. So we're going to talk about that. Well, good for them. Um, yeah. Um, so let's just jump into this first story. Well, so we've got we've got business. We've got layoffs. We've got uh, money going places, conspiracy theories. So this is all... For you, Danny. This is this is like yeah. a Danny show. Like this should definitely be a Danny show. And speaking of Danny show, Danny and I learned something from the audience. As you know, we we not only do this live, but we also put out uh, on our All Pod Media, which is our umbrella company, um, our right. growing umbrella podcast company. Right. We've got two shows currently, and we're growing. Um, right. But uh, so we have a channel, if you don't know, called All Pod Media Cuts. Where I That's where right. we make shorts, where we make uh, TikToks and stuff clips. like that, and clips and put them out. Um, not and TikToks. It's, well, okay, we're also putting those clips on TikTok. How about that? All yeah, right. Okay. Fine. So anyway, the point is, is uh, we've been doing testing of different, you know, uh, stories and different things like that. Um, what we learned this past week is um, our best short that did well this week. All me. Danny didn't say a word during the, the, the short. So I think what we can glean from that is more of me, a lot hmm. less of Danny. Like that's okay. I think that's what we can learn, Danny. What do you think? I feel like the guy wearing the cowboy hat is saying some <laughs> weird stuff to the brown guy, and we'll see how that all works out. <laughs> I'd I am say it to di- you brown or otherwise, brother. Yeah, brown yeah. or otherwise. <laughs> this is <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not gonna go. Remember, there. we're live, Danny. We're live. Yeah, we're live. We're okay. All right. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Um, what was our first story? Remind me. So this first story is um, uh, Mark Zuckerstads is laying off <laughs> eleven thousand. That's an inside joke, folks. I giggle because Danny has the inability to call Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, he consistently like it's like it's Roland Gardner from the the old yeah. movie Roland Berger. Roland Gardner, get out there, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't I don't lack the ability to say Mark Zuckerberg. 
I just declined to do it. You have to earn your name. He didn't earn it. So the story in this in this case is Mark Zuckerberg ha- is now currently laying off eleven thousand employees, about thirteen mm. percent of Meta staff, right? Facebook staff, Meta staff. Now, Danny finds this funny. Look, I brought this to Danny because I find it absolutely, whether it's hilarious or I don't know why, but for three weeks, four weeks, a month now, we've been talking about Elon Musk and Elon Musk is now fired about 50% of Twitter, right? About 3,700 employees, give or take. Right. Right. And Meta, on the other hand, is currently laying off 11,000, almost 300 percent of what Elon Musk is. And I had to search for this story because I had read about it somewhere else. I don't understand why Meta laying off 13 percent. Now, it's only 13 percent versus 50. I get that that's a different number, but that's still almost 300 um, the amount of people, 300 percent the amount of people. Yeah, that's almost irrelevant to me. You know, I, I was telling you this in our pre-show conversation. I was like, you know, I've seen these these TikToks. I don't actually have TikTok, um, but you see them on Reels and um, mm-hmm. other places on YouTube Shorts. And you see these, um, you know, these. It's always girls. Just happens to be. Um, it's it, not. I'm just saying. Ahead. It's always women. And it's always this voiced over. It's the do 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 do. And they're like, follow me to my full day of work at Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. And they proceed to go like 90% of their day is like eating out of the cafeteria or their cafe and like taking a break, going outside, whatever, taking a walk for your Uh mental health. And then uh, 9% of it is I attended a meeting and then 1% of it is I sent an email. And then you go, this individual, man, woman or otherwise, is getting, you know, three hundred to five hundred thousand dollars annually in, in total compensation. And then they're like, I can't believe I got fired after I spent a you know, like you spent you spent four years not doing a real job. And when you know you said something to me personally, you know, like reality bites hard. It does. You know what I'm saying? And uh when when it's and you were also saying like, you know, this is and this tends to be true that states, counties, and cities mm-hmm. give tax breaks and other financial incentives to corporations, to mega corporations that are operating and doing business and hiring people because they're saying, okay, you know, if we, if the, the county, city, whatever invests the money, invests, right. um, you, it's one of those things where you go, well, you stole the money first, so how are you? In, okay, taxes aren't theft. That. That's a whole day anything. Right. Yeah, but that's a Danny thing. So, I mean, I have to say that. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Right. Um, sure. So when I, uh, somebody who is a strict free market person, um, and when somebody who is not conflates that behavior of, um, you know, government investment, and they're like, see, this capitalism doesn't work. And I go, that isn't capitalism. That is the opposite of capitalism, where the government is running around handing out incentives. So, of course, if you're in San Francisco, it's harder to compete with huge companies like Facebook and Twitter because they're getting incentives you aren't. Um, and it, when, when a company can, you know, for instance, get a bunch of money, like a PPP loan, and they get a bunch of money and then it's forgiven, it's easy to hire people who don't actually do anything, who don't offer anything to increase the bottom line. Um, it's just nice to 
it's nice to have a full salaried person around to pick up a handful of tasks because you got the money for free. You don't have to worry about this thing called being profitable. <laughs> okay, I so, I do not hold the cynicism in that statement that Danny does. I, I'm, I'm not, not necessarily I'm not saying cynical. it's not true. All right, I, I what you're saying is partially true, and I understand the way you think. And I, I people that there's a lot of people that agree with you. However, right. getting a company to move to an area so that that area can grow and people are going to move there for those jobs and that kind of stuff is real. So, so it has providing that opportunity to your community is a good thing. Now, what happens right. though, and the, way, and the way you provide that, this is a political statement, but not a political show. Sure. The way you provide that is by a low level four and even playing field, um, which That's is just not true. <laughs> That's not true. It's just right. Right. Go there ahead. are no restrictions, no regulations, and no taxes. Because that becomes the attractive thing, and then you build a real, you build a real, organic businesses, not this fake nonsense where it's like, oh, Samsung's going to build us a, a battery factory, so the county's going to drop a hundred million dollars. But if you and I say we're starting a battery factory, it's like well, the EPA is never going to let us open. Right. Well, and you don't get the even half of that hundred million dollars or whatever it would be. Look, so all of that I agree with. However, right. it's not the way the world works. I would agree with you if it was a perfect world, but it's not. This is the world we live in. But what that does lead to or can lead to, like we all know when we're talking about government funding or discounts and stuff like that, is those aren't easily easily flexible. Meaning that if the right. market turns two years after that, right, right. The, the company is still bound by these, you know, county and state and all these things they signed off for these fundings and stuff like that. Now, there's right. loopholes and all this stuff, and this is not the only reason that Meta is laying off 11,000 people. Look, businesses ebb and flow, as always, uh, and for different reasons. If you are hiring and growing, it looks great to investors it looks when you're when you're right. trying to get funding or trying to raise money you want to show growth one of the easiest ways to do that is by hiring employees right, right. to show growth the problem is is your shareholders on the other side of it completely opposite right this will gain ultimately meta more money because right. that all hot firing people go straight to the bottom line folks it's just that's business. If I want to, if I have, if I'm a hundred thousand dollars from making my budget for the quarter, I I fire two fifty thousand dollar a year jobs, and it automatically goes to my bottom line. That's the way this stuff works. So Meta has wasted, and I say wasted, they've invested billions of dollars in this metaverse, right? The web point, right. web three metaverse, virtual reality, and right now that is a deep dark pit of death yeah and what my i i agree with what you're saying but i understand mark's position here and that is if we're not web3 we're not positioned for web3 our operations kind of doomed and in many ways like um Facebook is responsible for what, like the concept of going to live in the internet, which isn't 
the entirety of what Web3 is. We don't even sure. know what Web3 is yet. Correct. We don't right? know That's the entire thing. platform of what that will be. We, we don't know what Web3 is going to be yet. It's still a fetus. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. Those are the only choices. So we're going to find out. But we it's still gestating. We're still in Correct. that gestational, like we're finding out what this thing's going to be. And I think it's more, going this... to be more augmented reality than virtual reality, where Meta's idea, Mark Zuckerberg's idea, is virtual reality, not augmented yeah. reality. So, but like they created this opportunity, they created, they carved out a market in social mm-hmm. media, and he's trying to do this thing that, um, you know, I would say is very similar to the famed Japanese investor Masayoshi Son. Um where he just says, I have billions of dollars. Right. So I'm going to outspend my competitors. And that has been an effective strategy for him, for Masayoshi's son, several times. However, it's also how you lose billions and billions and billions of dollars because you outspend and then you find out, hey, the, like you can spend a billion dollars trying to build something, but if there's no customer for it, it doesn't matter. Well, but if, it's also if, where is that money coming from? He spent billions of right. Meta's money, not his money. Yeah, he spent correct. almost, uh, I think it's between 10 and 13 billion dollars that he's thrown into this black hole of death and not gotten any sort of return, including, look, there was an article right. that came out a week and a half ago saying that even their internal staff wasn't using this. Like the people that are supposed to be working this weren't working in this. They were working on this. Does that make sense? Right. So so his own totally. staff was not using the product to work like they were supposed to be working. Right. They so um and once he found out that, because one of these is he's trying to promote this as a way for companies. When you talk about enterprise versus uh you know, uh what do you call it? enterprise versus um uh, Normal people, like, right? Uh, normal people use, yeah. right? Enterprises, business use. One of the things he's saying behind closed doors, and it's come out a couple of times, is he's telling enterprise, hey, if we move to this virtual office, virtual reality environment, we can automatically right. know when people are working. We can get every stroke right. on the computer, everything that their eyes are right. looking at, everything that they're moving to. So he's already behind closed doors told enterprise, hey, you want to know if your employees are working from home? I can tell you if your employees are working from home. Right. And that that strategy, is it seems genius. Um, and what he's always been selling is tracking. That's always been the business Correct. model. Data. Right, data is yeah. Data and tracking have always been the business model. Um, Where that has applied to the pedestrian general population, he is now saying we can advance this technology to the point where it's going to benefit enterprise. Correct. And look, it's now all of this is all of this is to say that he spent too much money. Now his investors. Uh, and shareholders are both going, um, you've spent a lot of money in the last, well, really two years. Um, What are you going to do to offset it? And he's going, well, okay, I'm going to fire 10, 13% of my staff. That's going to go straight to the bottom line. That's going to be enough to make my investors and my uh, shareholders happy enough to offset some of these billions of dollars, and then I'm going to move forward. Right, and this this is kind of the curse of great success. 
in many ways. And Silicon Valley learned this lesson with Apple and and um, Steve Jobs. They when you when you here's the thing though I'm not, I'm not saying Mark uh, Zuckerberg is a visionary in the vein of a Steve Jobs. Right. I'm just saying you can't like this guy has a vision. He got you this far, and to um, scared money. You know, you're somebody who says this a lot, and I, I learned it from you. Scared money never made a dollar. Correct. It, like it, here's the thing: if like you look at Microsoft, Microsoft's an interesting example. They burned hundreds of billions of dollars to find the correct device strategy. They burned a, like hundreds of billions of dollars. Well, what's and but they, here's the thing: it took ten years to build this device strategy that is now like the surface line of products is like, no, people use these and they're paying thousands of dollars, 2,500 bucks. You can go and it's like, they're building the 2,500 bucks for a surface pro nine with all the stuff in it, but people are buying it. Everybody uses a Microsoft so, product, whether it's at work or at home, even if you're a Mac right. person at home, you're working, you're using a computer for work. That is not a Mac. It's it's a Microsoft product in some right. fashion or form. Look, and this, by the way, the thing that's missing out of all these articles is, um, guess what? Mark Zuckerberg's not going to stop spending. In none of this no. does it say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stop investing into this dark hole. Right. It's I'm doing this to satisfy you, the leaner, meaner approach, right? That right. every company ev that's laying off people ever goes... Oh, we're just right. getting leaner and meaner. We're going to put out the same product right. with less people. We're... No, he's still going to be shoveling billions of dollars down this technology. He believes in it. Right. He's put his name on it at this point. It would take a complete disaster for Mark Zuckerberg and Meta, by the way, to change course on this product. Yeah, I, here's the so that I was rounding it out all to say exactly that. I don't view uh, I don't view a future. I don't predict the future. I, I'm saying Mark is going to spend 250, 250 bees on this. I think so. I think he because I don't. Here's the thing. I think that we're we're what 10, 10 or 13. How many billions are we in? Ten or thirteen 13, billion, something like that. Somewhere between ten and thirteen. Yeah, yeah we're thirteen bees into it. I think he has to pivot. I don't think the enterprise strategy is going to function because I think this is one scenario in which it gets a little too dystopian where workers are going. I don't, because I'll say this much about uh, family that I have that have regular traditional working arrangements, but they work from home. Um, they don't like, they're um, not interested. Like they will quit over like they have the leverage, right? The workers have leverage at the moment based on the current market conditions. So if you start doing all this, weird tracking stuff. Um, here's, I, I think it's, it has a negative effect. I think it has, um, it, it causes workers to figure out how to get around it. And you're wasting people's time because they're frustrated with how much you're tracking them mm -hmm. that they're not productive you're not going to see an increase in productivity you're just going to see an increase in animosity so you don't want that unhappy so I workforce think enterprise right and i think that you know the you know the, the great resignation a lot of people are going back to their jobs <laughs> but um i don't think that you're going to force people back into their office and i do think this hobbled together solution uh, you know we mentioned microsoft 
I think that like you're just having teams meetings, but if you say, you know, you're going to go work entirely in the metaverse, I think there's still enough boomers in the economy. There's a, it doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be 51% of the workforce that, that, that it's, it just has to be an irritated 5% that say, if you do this, and we, we've seen this throughout, you know, this is in Mm -hmm. more government things where it's like, um, if you make me show my card because I, I got the medicine, so you're going to make me show a card, right. screw you. So I'm just saying, like, it, I think it's, you're listen, right. this might work. This may work in a country like Japan or China, right? And that and that may be enough of a market or even Europe, parts of, like, you know, Western and Eastern Europe. Where they don't so have the Europe. employee, um, not freedom, independence, they freedom. The employee freedoms that hey this would be normal here's a new product for you to use right yeah. here's how you're going to use it and there's no questions right yeah then i would say that you know part of it is simply in the west there is more of a you know we're cowboys out here you know we're a little bit mm-hmm. like i think that and i appreciate that um 97 of the reason i moved to texas over other states um i would have maybe preferred to live in las vegas or I mean, Florida was out for the off rip because I don't, I don't, I don't swim like that. <laughs> well, I sent you but an article reason- what a week ago, a week and a half ago, of a study that's shown that all of these companies that have forced their workers back to the workplace, yeah. and their productivity has gone to the crapper. Like it's just, yeah. it's it's hit gone lowered. Which I I was hoping what was going to come out of the pandemic and the stuff like that after afterwards was going to be a shift in how companies instead of paying for time paid for productivity right and like that's the yeah, way it so should like be there was a there was um sean or shan it's shan from uh my first million um the podcast he was tweeting and i um mark and fire replied to him he was tweeting like my company culture in our slack kind of sucks like what do you do to spice it up and my response to that was i long for a world um, I'm not a workers' rights guy by any sense, stretch right. of the imagination. You're not. <laughs> You're not. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, I'm not. I'm, I'm, but right. I'm a libertarian, and I believe that if you're a worker and you don't like the conditions you're working in, you give them the middle finger and you go find better conditions. Correct. And in this life, you there's this things called there's no solution, there's no perfection, there's just trade-offs, and you start quickly realizing, all right, I mean, I can make. 175 grand over here, but they're going to make me come to the office. Do I take lower compensation? Do I take a hundred grand because they let me work from home mm-hmm. and I get to kick my feet up and I'm, it's more peaceful. And if and enough th- people make that outside. decision, the market turns, right? Like, right. And so, um, but he was saying like, how do I spice this up in his clip? And I responded to a tweet saying, um, you don't like I long for a world where a comp or a corporation goes, here's our corporate culture. I hate if there's one thing I despise, it's engagement culture of like we need to increase our engagement. I don't give a rip about your co- company at all. Right. You have no loyalty to me. I have no loyalty to you. Sure. It's we're 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 not married. Okay. We're we're friends with benefits. That's it. Right. <laughs> the minute this the the, the minute the minute this thing stops working, that is a Dannyism. That is not a big man or market fire podcast. Yeah, that is a Dannyism. 
Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we aren't in a marriage. We are in a friends with benefits situ- mm-hmm. situation. Sure. <clears throat> and so I long for the corporate cult. If I was a guy who wanted to build some big, massive corporation, this would be my corporate culture. I'm not that guy. I don't want to build that. I just want to make a ton of money and be an investor and live my life in peace. I don't want to answer to people. I don't want to deal with other people's problems. It's not that I don't want to deal with other people's problems. I think your problems are stupid and you cry too much about things. Everything hurts all the time. Life is garbage. Look, learn to work can learn be learn to fun. surf it, baby. Work can be fun. Right. Work families can happen. I right. however, I however, here's my problem with any of the we're a family around here or work culture problem. My problem is is that it's not a reciprocal response from the company. The fact is right. the company will lay you off anytime it's convenient. That's what right. both of these stories, Elon Musk, Twitter, right. you know, with Twitter, so, Meta, with Mark Zuckerberg, it is they have zero loyalty to you when it's right. convenient for them. You should have the same amount of loyalty to your to company them. and the people around you. So so I think if a company went out there and my view is it's going to be one of these like alternative platforms like a Rumble or something. They're going to embrace the mantra of, hey, you have a life, you have a family, you have friends, you have hobbies. Come here, perform, execute, get the frick out. Right. No, I, want I to- wish that that was the majority of work. Right. And then, hey, productivity, here's you hit these daily goals. Mm-hmm. This is how much productivity we need you to do. That's really easy to track. And you, here's the thing. You start saying, we're not going to track you. We're going to track your productivity. Don't care. All of a sudden, I don't care how much, what just, okay. Because it makes me work so much more efficient and faster. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you want if done. I'm like, I, you want done with right, that today. I just, and guess what? Right. Most big companies, especially large companies and medium to large companies, already know right. this. There is a, a right. form that an egghead put together for you, right? That the bean counters put together for you. It's it's it goes to every CEO, it goes to everybody on the board, it even goes to stockholders in some cases that says we have X number of employees, that leads to X number of productivity, that leads to X number of dollars. Every right. company has it. They know when they hire a new employee what that should mean in profit and viability. So we already right. have the back-end data to go, hey, here's what I need for you for a $100,000 paycheck I'm going to give you this year. Here's what I need right. today and tomorrow. And the and somehow, some way, I don't know the history behind it, we traded hours for dollars instead of productivity for dollars and i think it's horrible and we need to fix it and you wouldn't see mass layoffs like this because you would be able to make the argument that by firing that person also means this lack of productivity right and i here's the thing there are different people so there's different corporate cultures and different things um, appeal to different people there are people who like going to the office and it's like I'm coming here to like there. This is my jam. And God give them bless a place you. to go. And give them a place to go. God bless you. But me personally, I can get into the office and like when I had a traditional nine to five gig, I could do as much as they needed me to do in four hours. But I had to sit there for eight. And there Danny were sometimes that's that's all I'm saying. Well, I'm not a quiet quitter. Um. <laughs> So you, you I was belly ached about it a lot. No, not really. I was just like, <laughs> bye. 
they right. yeah but i'm just so my my, my um view is that if you want and and here's the real thing mm-hmm. if if zuckersman's figured out how to um go to those because he already has a huge list of enterprise customers and sure. he said here's the thing we're going to create meta for work google didn't start out by creating enterprise products right but now they have google cloud which is an enterprise mm-hmm. business and they're indian i mean their ceo is my uncle indian guy thomas korean um <clears throat> korean before some one of my cousins starts commenting like you pronounce it like a white person but you know um hey like meta for work meta for business meta enterprise could easily um, build a product where they completely revolutionize how work tracking is done because they already have all the sensors. They have everything. They already have the portfolio of people, product, and technology to build that. So instead of building, hey, we're going to force your workers to plug their brain into the machine, and then we're going to track everything that they do. And every time they have a dirty thought or they laugh at an inappropriate joke, then you can fire them for cause. It's we're going to create this, and they get to be the hero again instead of being the the villain of the story. I get it. I get it. Are you laughing? What are you laughing at? Because – the way you the way you think Danny is one of those people that treats computers nice because he wants to be prepared for when the you know technology artificial intelligence takes over the world he wants them to know that Dr. Danny Bombay was on their side from the get so yeah no so, that is true <laughs> so i i get it it's it's yeah it's not everybody is out to get everybody Anyway, so speaking of everybody, not to get out of everybody, here's a guy that stole $17 million from Apple while working for Apple. So he not only stole $17 million, he was getting paid to steal $17 million. Right. Which is right up your Um, alley, Danny. So tell us how he did it. Um... Is this... What's this guy's first name? I'm only seeing his last name. Prasad? Uh, oh, I'm gonna mispronounce this. Yeah, de, de, Durendra? D- yeah, Durendra. Durendra. Prasad. I'm, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can't even say Durendra. Oh, this story just got even more interesting to me. One of my cousins stole something million dollars. <laughs> Danny is not related to these people, folks. He just says, I know. Um, yeah, he was taking kickbacks inflating invoices, stealing parts, and causing Apple to pay for items and services that they never received. This kind of reminds me of that story of some guy in Eastern Europe. I forget where exactly. He just started sending invoices to companies. Like he would just send these multi-billion dollar invoices or multi-million dollar invoices to Google and Facebook. And like it was enough, it was enough money to make a difference for him and enough money that it made it a a significant enough crime, but it was it was a little enough that Google, Facebook, Apple, all these companies were like, eh, well, whatever. It's you know we owe the guy seven hundred thousand bucks. Just pay it. 
Right. So, well, like, this yeah. is mob mentality. Look, mobsters used to do stuff like this, right? Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm going to steal stuff from a truck, and then I'm going to put it over here in a warehouse, and I'm going to legally sell it from that warehouse to this business, and then that right. business is going to turn around and sell it for whatever they sell it for, right? This is right. old-school mob mentality. This is a guy, and the only reason he only stole $17 million is because he probably started out pretty small, for a while before he got really comfortable with it, but he was doing right. all the mob stuff. He figured out that he was in a position to okay or and or get things approved so easily that nobody was paying attention, right? Right. And then he strategically figured out, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to negotiate with buyer A over here, but instead of selling it to Apple, I'm going to sell it up, sell it to an entity that I own and that entity right. is going to turn around and sell it to Apple at an inflated price and may not even have a warehouse in it. Like I'm not even, I'm right. doing drop shipping. He's drop shipping right. to himself to Apple for a higher yeah. price than what he's paying. Right. And I think that is genius. How much cash reserves does Apple have at the moment? Now I'm against stealing. Um, I'm a free market guy, but this is how I, you know, people often ask, this question to me like well if there's no government how do we handle crime apple just takes this one of the chain and go you caught like hey thanks for letting <laughs> us know that we have there's some we have some insecurity in our supply chain management that we need to rectify they have a trillion i think they have a trillion plus dollars in cash yeah it's like it's an insane amount of cash like this yeah, is this so, is nothing this is like a dollar this is yeah so this is like they hired mckinsey and they paid McKinsey an engagement fee of $17 million. And they said, hey, you guys have an inefficiency or insecure, you know, there's there's a lack of security in your supply chain management system. Here's how you shore that up. And this right. guy just did it. McKinsey would have charged them $25 million. This guy did it for 17. It's in-house. He promoted from within. I think this is great. This, look, okay. This, this guy's 52 years old and he's going to end up going to prison for 15, 20 years, right? right? So is it worth $17 million to go to prison for 20 years? It's not no. for me, right? No. Uh, but this guy, I, again, it doesn't say in any articles I could find like how the entire, I, but I guarantee it was slow. It was something early right. where you got a kickback from a company that said, hey, we'll give you 10 grand. We'll give you five grand if you can get us right. above this other contract or whatever. And then right. it started with little stuff like that, where he was getting kickbacks that he wasn't telling the company about. And then the next thing, you know, he's like, why the hell am I just taking kickbacks? I can turn around <laughs> and do what they're doing and with the contacts that I've made. Right. I can, I can reach out to their supplier's supplier and, and do this stuff myself and and then that ball starts that snowball just starts going right right it, and you did it for 10 grand then you do it for 30 grand then you'll do it for 100 right. grand and so let me just say this as um you know our 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 country is having a conversation about diversity equity and inclusion we're having conversations about representation as a little Indian kid growing up, I never really had criminals to look up to, right? There was no one who looked like me doing crime. <laughs> so it was really awesome to see guys like this uh, uh -huh. doing crime because uh -huh. it gives little Indian kids hope that you can live in America. You don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or, or something like this. You don't, you don't have to go buy a hotel or, or you know a convenience store, okay? 
if you work hard and believe in yourself, you can do white collar crime. Danny does not represent Market Fire Podcast or the big man in any of his current statements. All right. I have to well, say that several I mean, times in every show because Danny says crazy things like this is a guy to be looked up to. He is not. I'm not. No, and, I'm not saying he's a guy to be looked up to. That's not what I said. I said that we finally have a guy to look up to in the world of crime. Now, also, to be entirely fair, Raj Rajaratnam, uh, who maintains his innocence, technically Sri Lankan. People say I kind of look like him, especially now that he's got rid of his mustache. But, you know, he's Galleon Group. He made billions of dollars. And he did go to prison for a little easy weensy amount of time. Yeah. Uh-huh. He paid a couple hundred million dollars in fines, but he's still a billionaire. <laughs> okay. And... um you know, uh, as a consequence of that. $17 million dollars is not enough for 20 years of my life. That's not no, enough. No, not at all. Okay. Not in the slightest. Um, yeah. But that's that. And I'm just saying that, you know, it's it's unreasonable to me to have a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion and representation and not include some of those times where I felt like there was a lack of representation. Okay. Well, this guy got caught. So that is not something you want to emulate, kids. If you're right. trying and to find a, a, a villain superhero to model yourself after, yeah. regardless of right. race, because you can do that, uh, regardless right. of race, and, and you should. getting yeah. caught is not the one you want to emulate. You want to learn from their mistakes. Of course not. But there was another guy that, I, you know, Matthew Martoma, who actually is like, he's not actually my cousin, but I'm pretty sure if I started making some phone calls, we'd find out that we are probably related because um, we are from the same region of the world. What is that? You know, we're seven the... degrees from Kevin Bacon. Remember that old game? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I just want to mention uh, the reason I love that his name is Matthew Martoma. The reason it's funny is he adopted. So what he did was he got kicked out of some elite university for cheating. And what he did was he changed his name from something unpronounceable, Matthew, it's a very common surname in India, South Mm -hmm. India, where my family's from. It's a common surname. He made that his first name, and then he adopted the name of a Christian denomination, Marthama, Martoma, as his last name. And then he took his bachelor's degree and then applied to like Harvard or Penn State or something like another elite university because he got kicked out of law school for cheating and then got an MBA. And I'm just saying... For young Indian kids like me who hated everything about our society. And I had to like, who was I looking to 50 cent? He doesn't look like me. He doesn't know what my life is like. But when I saw that guy go to jail, prison for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, they took a bunch of his money and I found out that, you know, the, uh, there's a TV show called billions on Showtime. It's on Amazon, uh, prime now. Um, What's fascinating is it's based on the firm that that guy worked for, and they don't even have a single Indian guy ripping them off in that. I was like, I'm so pissed. Like, he's one of the few white collar criminals. Like, he's one of the few Indian guys to go to prison in America, and that's he doesn't crazy. get. He doesn't. Yeah, but anyways, no. that's that has nothing to do with the story. That was a caveat, but that happens. Well, but look um, again. This is to me. This is a. This is a great example of how. We were just talking about employees and employees you can afford to get rid of. This right. happened because, at least in this division, in this office, in this middle management, whatever it was, was bloated because this guy was able to get away with no checks and balances whatsoever, whether from his superior, but because this went on for years. It's not something that right. happened over a weekend. 
this went right. on and was able to happen for years. 17, and, and it took years for this guy to get caught, which probably he got caught like most criminals do in this kind of stuff, even the white collar. They either get too greedy or too lazy to do what they were supposed to be doing properly, right. and they screw it over, and this guy does. This guy did, and now right. he's getting caught. And yeah, and that's, you know, I would have roped in more people into it, and I would have had friends set up corporations, and I would have said, hey, you know, we're all going to split the money because that it creates a little more legitimacy when there's a when there's some extra people and you know my i had a professor of management at the university of minnesota it's not where he got my degree from but um he said you know when your boat's sinking you do everything you can to get everyone else in it with you so no 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 that's so. not a saying and no it should well, not be a saying so speaking of horrible things that happen to wonderful people um our next story here uh is what is it? Oh, Sam Bankman, Danny's friend yes. of a friend of a friend. Right. All right. So what's the Let deal with Sam Bankman? Let me tell you Big man's favorite thing. When I say favorite thing, I mean, like, as much as I love good scams, this is up there. Like, I wonder sometimes if it goes, he hates crypto, then loves his family. Because, like, big man's an amazing family, man. He really is. He takes... He loves his kids. He does a lot for his boys, and I really respect him. I do. Like, Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, and I really respect you as a as a father and a husband. But he hates crypto so much because he I, thinks the whole thing is a scam. That's fine. Is. He gets to have that opinion. This is one of those things in our relationship. At some point in time, I had to go, I love you, brother. I really do. I don't care. Like you just, you got to stop sending me these you gotta crypto You got to stop sending me stories. stories. Yeah, sure. And I did. And I did. Yeah, because he did. I'm just saying, I don't care, right? Like, it's fine. that it's. Of course it's happening. I'm saying the entire fiat currency is a scam. So it's all a scam. I'm just saying we're all doing the same scam. But Sam Bankman-Fried was a he was temporarily a billionaire. And um, there's this infamous clip of Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, not just a billionaire. Goes, not like just, okay, the guy's worth a billion dollars. The guy at the height was worth $15 billion. Right. And it was one of those, like, um, he he made his initial hundreds of millions of dollars um, very keenly, realizing that the, you know, he was looking at just Japanese crypto exchanges were paying more for Bitcoin than American exchanges. So all he did was he was buying it on the American exchange and sure. selling it on the Japanese exchanges. And he just kept doing that until he had a couple hundred million dollars. He, he and, was, look, there's people that play the currency markets, right? Currency exchange markets. Yeah. So essentially Forex. that's all he was doing, right? He, he was playing right. a currency exchange market, right? And again, I have, yeah. Danny says, I hate crypto and I think it's a scam. That's a nice umbrella term and he's not completely wrong as an umbrella. However, right. I do not hate crypto. I do not think that it's a scam in the way that people go, oh, well, you know, concussion cream is going to, is not a scam. No, well, concussion cream's someone taking advantage of you. There's no such thing, right? Or what was the story we did? 5G lotion, right? To protect you yeah. from 5G. Like, that's a scam scam, 
right? Yeah. I just say I my my issue with cryptocurrency as a whole, and it's Bitcoin all the way down to garlic coin, okay? And right. you know what I mean? My is the span of it is when you're dealing with things that are not backed by people, by assets, by companies, by anything, right. you are putting right. yourself in a situation of high volatility which right. can go to zero if any part of that process breaks down. And that's what we're having in this case. And the, the reason FTX is a company and him being the CEO, Sam Bankman, the problem is he's running into is the 1920s bank crash. It's called insolvency. Right. It's, you know what I mean? When, when people go to the bank, and crypto as a whole, let's just call it as a whole right now, because people right. listening to this that aren't familiar with crypto aren't going to get it if we don't keep it simple. Think of cryptocurrency as a whole as your dollars are there in the bank, cryptocurrency being the bank. And insolvency in this case is if I go to you, like in the 1920s bank boom bust, was I went to the bank and say, hey, I want my $500 back. And the bank looks at you and goes, we have 298. Right. Right. And uh, um, you're the 10th guy in line wanting his $500. Exactly. And then everybody else behind you goes, wait a minute. Right. You can't give them their money. I want my money now. And so on and so right. forth. And that's essentially what's happened to this company. It is essentially insolvent and is now being bought for pennies on the dollar of what it should be worth. So this guy right. being a – look. The, these people are called, and we've had several of these over the last decade or so. What do they call them? Uh, paper millionaires paper or paper, paper what? Billionaires, yeah. yeah, paper, paper billionaires, billionaires. Where okay, you're telling me you've, you're worth fifteen billion dollars, but you have a hundred and fifty dollars in your bank account, right? Like, yeah, and that that is that is a onset. That is a um, popular phenomenon caused by our system of regulation and taxes. Where it's you know people inflating value, um, but not ever carrying any cash, not having. So, <clears throat> the American system of taxation and regulation, what it ends up creating, instead of creating a fairer, freer system where it's um, you know uh, where there's good oversight, what it ends up creating is inflationary cycles where people these booms where there's nothing there. Because th the more they have actual cash on hand, because the minute you put that money into your mm -hmm. LLC that's American or your, your S Corp, whatever, taxes. So they're doing a circus. They're, they're jumping over hoops. They're doing backflips to avoid that. And in the process of doing that, they create, this, they create these monstrosities based on fractional reserve debt and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And... Um, what I find interesting about this guy was in one of his interviews, you know, the, the interview is like, you're not like other billionaires. You drive a Corolla and you live in an apartment. And he starts explaining all this stuff. And I go, yeah, the, my first thought was mm, something's wrong. <laughs> there is something wrong with a billionaire that does not live like a billionaire. Right. He, he lives in a two bedroom apartment with 10 people, apparently. And his favorite chair is like a beanbag chair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's right. that guy, right? Beanbag chair, yeah, Toyota and the, Corolla. And the, yeah. Yeah. And the corporate press and the gal interviewing him are all, you know, 
brainless NPCs. And so they're like, he's quirky and different. Nah, his whole thing is built on a, it's, it's a house of cards. That's what it was. It wasn't, he's just a quirky individualist. No, his whole business is a scam. That's well, now all. Look, we're, That's all it was. We're talking about this guy losing, and I think the actual number is 94% of his wealth, right. his paper wealth, 94%. But this guy's still worth almost a billion dollars. He's still got hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars stacked, stashed somewhere. It's not right. going to affect his life. No. And the rest of his life, just like Mr. Ye, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Yes, right. he's no longer a billionaire, but it's not going to affect his day-to-day life. This guy's yeah, still going to live out the rest of his life, even if he never does anything else ever, off right. of what he did perfectly legally that had very little to do with crypto. Crypto was the product he created hundreds of millions of dollars from, but really right. it was money exchange, which has been around right. for 100 years, right? Right. Yeah, and he created it in, you know, some sort of offshore Caribbean um, exchange. And that's the part of the story that I love. Like, I love this whole story of like, it t- like it's a Mount Go type situation, if you don't know what that was. And, you know, Mount Go was an exchange that just overnight when it disappeared and took people's Bitcoin with it. Right. And that's when we learned the lesson of hard wallets all the time. <laughs> But imagine that. See, this is my point. Look, if you're one of the people watching this right now or watching this on uh, record, or I'm sure I'm going to splice this up and put it on TikTok and everywhere else. Look, if you're one of those people that want to come at me about how much money you've made or people have made it crypto, come at me, bro, because I will show you 10 to 1 how many people have lost their you-know-whats on the same product just with different right. timing or whatever. The fact is, is yeah, that everybody that, was going to make crypto. If everybody was going to make rich by crypto, it would have happened already. It's not going to happen. So you, no. so go ahead and just come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Right. And that is a, such a, um interesting statement to make in a story about a quirky kid who's uh, <laughs> going to be a billionaire for the rest of his life because of crypto. <laughs> not because of crypto. We've already established he didn't make no. his millions of dollars from he, crypto. He made he it made from his... currency exchanges. Crypto just but happened cr- to be the product. It had nothing crypto, to do with how he made Bitcoin, his original Bitcoin money. Bitcoin was the currency. Bitcoin was the currency. It does no, no. Yeah, the course, Japanese yeah. exchange of Bitcoin was the currency. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Just, All right. of these people that are quote unquote cryptocurrency billionaires or millionaires did not make it from crypto. They made it for right. products associated mm. with crypto. Right. So this gets back to my initial point. Big man hates crypto so much. I don't like people being taken advantage of. And people that don't do their yeah. research get involved and they lose right. their ass. And then we go, oh, well, that's the way it works. No, that is, though. Here's the thing. I don't believe that you can protect people from themselves. And here's how we know that doesn't work. Um, there was a video that came out, um, a gal, a person, I should say, rather, put out a TikTok of how hard it was to work eight hours a day at Starbucks, and that went viral, and everybody's <laughs> looking at it, and that is the downstream result of three or four generations of Americans mm-hmm. trying to protect weak people from reality. Reality bites hard, and here's all that happens. We just have to let reality bite you in the ass a handful of times, and then you figure out, hey, I can't sit down. I better learn my lesson. You would hope. See, you would hope. And can see, look, 
I'm sitting here giggling because if you haven't, if you don't know that video of yeah. that poor twenty-something-year-old that worked two we days, we have to say person. Turned yeah. it two days, person. Uh, yeah, that had to work two days in a row, eight hours a day, and was just bawling, just overwhelmed yeah. with the amount of work. Now, and I'm saying this, uh, and it sounds like I'm trying to make fun of this person, and I'm really not. Life is about perspective. Maybe that 16 right. hours in 48 was too much for this person. All right, and I don't want to. And that look, everybody's allowed to feel the way they feel. However, yeah, when you, when you turn around and you put that in, on, out to the world, right, it goes viral because this person puts it yeah. out of their own decision. Like they decided to record themselves feeling that right. and put it out into the ether. The ether ate it up, right? You have yeah. to deal with the backlash of what that's going to cause from boomers, yeah. from Gen Xers, from other millennials, right, Gen Z. You're, you're going to have to deal with that. Right. And my, my thoughts were on that, you know, it's not in our show notes, but like life sucks. Like life is hard. And listen, if you're in that situation and it like you're, you're hurting and it's eight hours, listen, Starbucks is actually a great place to work. If you're trying to start a business, if you're going to school, because they give you health care and they do all this other stuff. So it's actually like, I know people who are like, I know moms, I know a couple of moms who are like, I love Starbucks because working there, it's like, my husband owns a contracting company. He's a contractor. Sure. I go there. I work, you know, and it's 15, tough work. 20 hours. And it's tough work. The people that yeah. we have to deal with is, or not we, yeah. but the people they the people have to deal with there, yeah. that work at Starbucks and these coffee shops have to deal. Now it's not most people. You go, I, I have a couple of Starbucks that I go to on a regular basis. I love Starbucks. Great coffee. My kids love Starbucks. It it's not the greatest coffee, but it's good coffee and it's quick to get in and out of. They are quick with your coffee. Okay. Man, My point though terrible. is is uh is the people that go there and the people that I interact with while I'm there, I would assume that ninety percent of people, just like ninety percent of most people, even retail are good people. It's the five or ten yeah. percent that ruin it as we've all seen right. on stories and you know, videos and everything else. Right. But e- I, even listen. with good people, it's a hard work. Making coffee listen, is hard work. Uh, listen, I, I'm not I'm not discounting that, listen, all work is hard when you don't want to do it. Correct. Um, and I, that's fine. If you don't want to work hard, <clears throat> you just have to live with there are times in my day, every day, where I go, I'm gonna quit everything I'm doing and I'm gonna go drive a school bus, get a small <laughs> apartment in Denton County, Texas. Right, get a small one bedroom in Denton County or Fort Worth right, somewhere. Right. And I'm just gonna drive a school bus and not worry about any of this nonsense. But the problem with having goals is sometimes you, you have to bust your own so you have to bust you have to kick yourself in your own dick sometimes to get yourself motivated to do stuff. And that's just life. And right. uh, this person, this person, it would appear uh, from what I can gather, is uh, working on entering into manhood. And um, good luck to them on that journey. And part of it is you got to kick yourself in your own dick, whether you were born with it or they surgically added it later. You're going to have to do it. There's no it's just it's hard. And that's, that's life. Though. That's my belief. That is mine. And, but it's not everybody's. Sure. It's my belief, yeah. but not everybody's. All right, right, our next story, speaking of uh, down by 90%, um, uh, Carvana, which you and I have talked about on and off for a couple of years now, right? Yeah, and I, I think that if, you know, as all pod media continues to grow, 
and we are we're going to bring on a full time editor to manage editing all of our podcasts. It's one of the services we're going to offer is if you join our um, our podcasting network, uh, we're going to make the editor scrub all of our you know seventy five episodes and pull out you know all of the Carvana stories and just so we can watch the progression. Mm-hmm. of them losing their license to sell cars in half a dozen states. Yeah. Um there's a, a bunch of scams where they were like the the customer was a, the purchaser of the car was going to the state saying it's kind of weird that they gave me a title from a different state and they said give us like 60 more days and they just <laughs> kept giving them temp tags from other states. From other states? <laughs> from temp tags yeah. from other states, which I don't even know is completely legal anyway, right? Like especially in a place problem. like Texas where Texas is very Hey, you've got 30 days when you move here to get your driver's license changed. They want up to date yeah, information. Yeah. Whatever. My point is you've got these yeah. finite timelines in places like Texas sure. and I'm sure other states yeah. that sending a tag from another state to someone in Texas is probably in a gray area at best. Right. And, um, you know, we, we covered when they acquired um, one of the uh, uh, Odessa, the car auction. Yeah, the car auction because stuff. they wanted the idea was to have more locations where they could put inventory to have more access to it around the you know the country and stuff like that maybe even do some direct sales and that kind of stuff uh but the big headline here is at its peak carvana because it's a publicly traded company was about 360 dollars a share as of this week we are at seven dollars a share so it's a grand total of down 98 percent from its peak right yeah. so if you invested a hundred dollars at its peak you now have two yeah. bucks Call, somebody called nick lachey 98 <laughs> 98 <laughs> degrees um the thing that i that i love about this is the fact that they built these monstrosity um they call them car vending machines and the the way that non someone who's never purchased a car before and like the first car they buy they buy it from tesla or something <laughs> they have no idea what it's like to go in and buy a car from a dealership they're like i'm just gonna go there and put my credit card on the machine it's gonna drop a car down and it's really not remotely how that's gonna work but if you're you, um, if you're used but, cars and there's so many models and so many years and so the vending machine i, I don't know whose dumb idea what that was it was probably put out there to Carvana as a marketing stunt, 100%. 100%. Because if no, Tesla had a vending machine, that would make sense. Like, I'm only yeah. carrying Tesla, you know, Model X in here. That's it. That's what this entire right, yeah. vending machine yeah. is. It's just Tesla. Now, that makes sense to me. But used cars, there's just there's yeah. too many. Well, I'll tell you, like, so the father owned, so this is a father-son operation. The father is a convicted felon. And he was convicted of, I don't remember, something to do with this company called Drive Time, which is a large kind of CarMaxi type competitor. Yeah. And so here's, I don't know the the true genesis of this. This is just me thinking about how you get there. And he's going, look at the dad, I'm guessing, is going, look at all of these tech stocks. And it's like all of these normal companies, it's like, oh, no, we're not a bank. We're fintech. We're financial technology. And everyone's like, here's a bajillion dollars. And he's and he's thinking, hey, if we call ourselves a technology company, 
right. that sells cars. But instead of buying a car lot, and guess what? Land isn't cheap and right. cars aren't small. So he's going, if I just go get some Park Plus or you know these lifts, these, these huge lifts that are used in highly condensed cities like New York, Tokyo, London, they have these massive car lifts. And he starts going, if we just you'd buy a little or, you know, instead of needing 20 or 30 acres to build a massive CarMax, I just need five acres and I can build this, this thing that this, this mm-hmm. um, thing that people are going to come look at this, a spectacle. I can call, I can go public. And this is, this is one of those tricks of, of, um, stocks and being a publicly traded company is that the emotion the idea of something because we talk about all the time in publicly traded companies that the stock is like vegas right it's emotional it it doesn't always necessarily make sense and you're right it could have been part of that carvana marketing and ahead of time i just think obviously they'd make more money like there's one here in south austin they'd make more money carvana would make a crap ton of money instead of having used cars in it turn it into a parking lot that you pay by the hour or pay by the day for, they would make a crap ton of money just doing that, but they're not gonna. What's gonna end up happening is they're gonna end up being bankrupt. Uh, Their sales are already down. Their customer service is down. Every part of their business is down. They can't, like you said, they've already been forced to stop work in a dozen different states. That's gonna continue as... Uh, issues pile up with people complaining and not getting their titles properly or whatever. Again, this is to me is a great example of growing too fast and not knowing how to, not understanding how I'm going to get okay to get titles in Texas, not understanding about how I'm going to get titles in or not caring and just going, Hey, I'm going to scam you anyway, and I'm going to walk away a billionaire and it's not going to matter. This is a prime example of hey, we built the business, our investors are going to lose all of their money. But the guy and his dad who started this are going to walk, let's say they're going to make, instead of billions of dollars, they made half a billion, they made 500 bucks after taxes and everything clean in their pocket. Well, this endeavor was worth it for it then. And they can live the rest of their lives like, we did it, we scammed everybody, but we didn't go to jail. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Me personally... I'm waiting. I'm crossing my fingers for when they go bankrupt. I'm going to leverage myself to the hills to buy the South Austin um, Carvana, their car um, vending, mach- the car vending machine. machine. I, listen, I, I refuse to invest into Austin because they don't want my investment. They don't want my money, and they make that clear with their rules and laws. However, because of all these yuppie Californians moving in into the city and moving into and turning it into an unlivable place. Well, these guys who have extra cars, these are some wealthier people. They have sports cars and stuff. I'm going to acquire the one in South Austin pennies on the dollar, right? I'm going to acquire it and I'm going to turn it into the coolest car storage you can find anywhere in the country is. And then I'm going to turn it, make it a, a membership place with a clubhouse and a cigar lounge and um, hey, you can come. You know, we're park your car here, and we'll we'll shuttle you to the airport. The whole nine yards. That's what yeah, we're gonna and do. And all the cars are gonna be Lambos, and you know what I mean. All that. Yeah, yep. I get it. Store your car that you the, don't drive every day here, and yeah, yeah. no, all I the got cars you. and coffee. It's gonna be like Manhattan classic car, the car car club of Manhattan or something like that. I forget what it's called. 
Um, but I already have a plan. Yeah, so I'm just waiting for this to go bankrupt. That building itself, my guess is no way it's under 25 million. Wouldn't you agree? Like 25 million oh, is not yeah, a crazy yeah. number. Just because the land itself yeah. and where it sits. Yeah. Right. Five million bucks. I'm going to buy it for five million. That's the <laughs> plan. Then, but you, you'll make it back in a year. You'd make it back in yeah. a year. Um, but yeah, yeah, we can both agree that I would be very surprised if Carvana still exists in the way it currently exists inside a year. Right. And and here's what I I would say that's not unreasonable. Here's what I do think. I do think they if they if they survive, it's because they turn themselves into a CarMax type business. And the way they're gonna do that is going around finding the largest used car lots in a city. And just acquiring them and just converting them into Carvana's as whatever. a name, as a name, yeah, right. Like we're they're Carvana gonna, and we exist as a CarMax, you know what I mean? Competitor, yeah. competitor, yeah, right. And that's but listen, CarMax's entire business model is or is brilliant because they're like we don't negotiate on price, so it's much easier to come buy from us. And the guys at our dealership, they wear shorts, <laughs> but. They printed billions of dollars in profits. Good for them. Well, because they they did something. CarMax did more than that, and Carvana li- really copied that model in that we're only going to pay X dollars for a car because right. we know we can sell it for Y. And that right. has a built-in profit margin of Z, and we know we're going to make that. And that's how Correct. they do it, which is right. really how everybody should do it, but that kind of – limits what you can make and and car car dealerships don't like that which is again brings us to a completely different story um that uh danny absolutely loves because it kind of pertains to this uh did you leave it on the thing for today yeah no it's it's the it's on there if you if you refresh um foxbusiness.com says that um no i was talking about the direct to consumer thing which one the 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 Tesla direct to consumer story. Did you take that oh, off? Oh, I didn't put it in there. I, I t- oh, that was something you sent to me earlier today. Yeah, see, yeah, folks, yeah. we're doing this live. We're messing this up. Yeah. I want to quickly add so, that to this story. Yeah, the, yeah. Let's the, talk about that real because quick. Because the Tesla story is essentially Tesla has been trying to figure out for years at this point how right. to sell their cars. Teslas directly Direct. to consumers when yeah. most states, especially states like Texas, have laws Correct. that prohibit it, which is why General right. Motors, Ford, all of these people uh, make these vehicles, right? And then, but they have to turn around and sell them to your local, everybody knows who their local big dealerships are, right? And a right. Chevrolet here in, you know, Austin, that kind of stuff. Right. Everybody has that football star or that movie star or whatever that owns the big dealership in your area. And the reason they own them is because they're just print money because they have to buy them from the manufacturer because the manufacturer can't sell them to you. And then they turn around and sell them to you for a markup. And that's the way it's been since cars were made. Well, at least past the next 10, 20 years, right? This is a, this is a fantastic example of crony capitalism Yes. Um, <clears throat> because these relationship, the reason it's illegal, there is no, I mean, there's a, there's a clip or there's a video from Adam ruins everything that kind of discusses this. <clears throat> there is no, there is no benefit that you can argue that the consumer gets from this relationship where it's illegal for the corporation to sell it to. Not directly. now there once was. 
When we were a well, quote-unquote smaller country, when yeah. I manufacture Fords in Detroit, how do I yeah. get enough Fords to Austin, Texas to make right. sure that Austin Texans are buying Ford? Well, they can't build a factory back then right. in Austin, Texas, so they had to figure out a way, and what that was was to get investors around the country right. to open up car lots. Well, how do I get them to make sure it was contracts, right? Well, I don't want Ford right. competing with me in Austin, Texas directly right. because they can undercut me. So how are we going to do this? So instead of each individually dealing with that, states made those rules right. to come around and say, but, no, do this but, so that Ford can't just undercut. Lobbied. Yeah, right. But who lobbied the states to create those things? The billionaires the that were setting up the dealerships, right? Like the or millionaires yeah. well, at the, the time. The wealthy. Yeah. So um, this story was really interesting to me that Tesla um, and there's a documentary about a guy who set up um, the like basically um, usury loans, like payday mm-hmm. lenders who would go to um, smaller Native American tribes in Oklahoma and other states and say, hey, I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five percent of my business, but I need to be based, I need to be headquartered on on your indigenous land. Mm-hmm. And, and so what Tesla has figured out, which I love, is that if they put their direct-to-consumer dealers on indigenous land... In some states... In some states, like New Mexico is one of them, our neighbors to right. the to the west, that they can skirt a bunch of laws about direct sales because this is considered a sovereign nation within our country. Right. Now, I hate making this about politics again, but I think everybody should be allowed to create a sovereign nation in this country. No. Okay? No, you sh- no they right. shouldn't. But go Listen, ahead. Listen, currently my title is Dr. Danny Bombay but I have no problem with Chief Bombay either. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Look, um, Tesla the is other trying to figure Indian, out but... any way to skirt these rules. Anyway, because they right. do and not so they, want so they... in any way to adopt the dealership model. They just don't want right. to do it. So here's the other thing I think. Um, I think that if you created, if you got rid of all of these regulations that force um, dealerships, uh, and give them all the power. I don't think that you're going to see major companies get rid of dealerships. I don't think General Motors is going to be like, oh yeah, we don't. It's just going to be this fact. In Chicago, New York, Dallas, um, Los Angeles, big cities, yeah, they're going to they're going to end up doing something to buy out the big dealer in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, and what's going to happen? There's it's going to be flagship stores. But guess what? You get 30 minutes outside of the city, they don't care anymore. There's no, It's too much infrastructure for them to deal with. I would be so really I, I surprised think, if you see new car dealerships still existing, let's say, five years from now. Because they're yeah, the direct-to-consumer model, when you can go, okay, all the, car guy, all the car lots out there, y'all can be used car lots from now on, right? You can be – because right. it would be very difficult, as Carvana has figured out, because of the used market and how it turns over and there's right. just such a wide variety to not continue to have a used car model like that, right? Go to a used car lot, right. there's 500 cars, you choose the ones you like for the price you like and go on, right? Uh, but as far as new cars, 
I think you're going to see them dwindle and dwindle as Ford, General Motors, and these other companies that are actually building these cars more and more in America and going, right. hey, I want to be able to sell the, the brand new cars. Keep being a Direct. used car lot. You can be a preferred used car lot. Or right. we're going to give you a little bit because we're going to deliver it to your location with a bunch of other cars. And then you're going to have them sign paperwork and we're going to give you just a flat fee for that. I think right. you're going to see a transition in how you buy new cars. And that's already being seen because of the lack of availability of new cars, because of right. the chip shortage and some other manufacturing shortage things. You're already right. seeing where if you want, for example, right now, if you want a, um, uh, well, there for a while, just truck in general, right? Nobody had any. The only way you could get it was to order it directly from General Motors. You know, if you wanted a Chevy directly from General Motors and wait until one showed up, it showed up or one like it showed up and the dealership called you and said, hey, we have one close enough. Do you want to come buy it for full price and yada yada? Right. Um, or more than full price and that kind of stuff. But I think that has also caused it's given the given for General Motors, these other these uh, car manufacturers a reason that they didn't have three years ago to go, this is why we need to cut out the middleman. It's because these middlemen right. are marking up tens of thousands above what we're saying MSRP, right? right? But we can't control what an independent business does, right? Correct. So it's given them a something that they can hang their hat on and go, hey, we need to get rid of these people that are robbing people in the middle. Right. Yeah, but, and, and I would say that I not only I, do I think they – kind of disappear but i do think we're going to learn that the direct model works for some things but not other things mm -hmm. because um i kind of want to like you know people are buying these electric cars and there's a handful of dealerships that you can look at here where i live um where they have a um there's one dealership that i was looking at yesterday i was looking at a new car i was looking at it yesterday um they had freaking uh, 15 or 13 uh, electric vehicles that a Ford F-150 Lightning that two Rivians and the rest were uh, Teslas. And I said, so you guys buy a lot of, like you go to the auction, you buy a ton of these electric cars. And they go, nah, um, we just, we give the best price in town because he's like that one, somebody bought, they put 700 miles on the F-150 Lightning and they try to tow something and they lost all their charge trying to tow something because it has 7,000 pounds of towing. And the guy tried to tow his, four-wheeler up to his property and um, had to charge for two hours in between, got rid of it. Well, yeah, I so, mean, because they try to use it practically for what you would use a truck for. But yeah. and, and the Rivian shouldn't be on anybody's lot because they've all been recalled, and I haven't seen an article yet that says they fixed them all. So they yeah. shouldn't have any Rivians on their lot. But, yes, electric vehicles are now getting traded into dealerships as people buy them because they think that that's what they want, and then they have buyer's remorse for completely – different yeah. reasons right yeah. um and then they trade them in for an old-fashioned car and there's definitely a percentage of that but uh tesla is going to continue to try to figure out ways to get around the model i think right. ford and general motors are going to do their part in trying right. to fix the model right yeah or work around it as well I, I think that i think that the um lobbyists for dealer groups you know they were well funded they're well they're well um mm -hmm. they have a big war chest but they don't have a war chest like General Motors or Ford. And until recently, General Motors and Ford didn't have the leverage or the, the market appetite to build direct sales model. But that is now, the, 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 there's a coalition that they've coalesced 
the market's now interested in direct uh, direct model. Um, they have the war chest. The dealers are hurting for various reasons. A lot of it having to do with, hey, General Motors doesn't have cars for you to sell. So you you have to make money on your used cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but And we have all these general- articles that say you've been taking advantage of people when the market was down. Right. So so they're going to they're coming at it from different angles at this right now. And I don't right. know but if I the think car dealerships the, have the ability to fend all of these ways. That's off. what I'm saying. There's they've been able to fight off. They've been able to pick off very successfully, um, you know, direct models when it comes to, you know, when Fiat purchased Chrysler, they built a massive um, show floor in Los Angeles, direct mm-hmm. sales model where they had all of this Stellantis or, you know, the FCA cars. They got sued and, you know, it took a couple of years and they went out of business. But I think um, where this is at right now, it's going to be too much pressure because the consumer is now going to start saying, well, what? I don't want to be dealing with this. So when it's the consumer and then you have these massive conglomerates, all it takes is for Ford and General Motors to say, hey, we're going to sue this thing together. Yeah. Or, and so let's say they pick the state that's going to be easiest to knock down. So let's say they pay, I don't know what the state is. I'm just throwing one out there. Right. Let's say they pick Georgia and they say, okay, we're going to knock down Georgia. Well, that creates what's called um, precedence. So they go mm-hmm. to Texas and they do the exact same lawsuit and they say, well, in Florida, this judge said that this was perfectly whatever. It's not consumer, whatever, right. consumer friendly. And so then eventually all 50 states end up getting knocked down. And that's where I think we're going to be in the next five years. Or 48 of them. right? You know what I mean? And two of them, yeah. you just, you, you can't do it. But there's all kinds of rules out there that 40 something right. states work one way and six work a different, uh, you know what right. I mean? So they don't even have to have them all. Right. Right. Now they want Texas because obviously Texas is a huge car market, but I, market. I'm just saying that they could make plenty of money off of 37 other states or four, you know what I mean? Right. 40 other states or whatever it is. And if they can, they will. Um, and it will hurt everybody because, you know, of the way it works. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because it kind of part of the Carvana thing and the way the automotive right. buy and sell industry is headed. So I think we've got at least one more story here, Danny. The uh, oh, the Powerball jackpot winner. So the day before, what I've been told is the most important election of our lifetime. I've heard that for twenty-five years now, so I don't, I don't care anymore. Um, Each the government one's more important than the next, I guess. Mm-hmm. The government uh, runs a lottery system, and the largest lottery in American history uh, was. Uh, we were told $1.9 billion. It turns out it ended up around 2.1 at the end. Yes. Um, yeah. And, well, two, yeah, uh, so 2.04. I, so just over $2, million, two, yeah. $2 billion. Yeah, $2 billion. Which, and I think that the lump sum comes out to a little under a billion. So um, what I found fascinating, first of all, was I walked into my local gas station and uh, on Monday and I bought a ticket. And I walked out and then I went home and then realized that the sales, the guy sold me a ticket for today. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I didn't even know that was possible. I didn't even know you could sell a ticket in advance of a different draw. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, I didn't go back in there and, and I, like, I want to go back in there and curb stop this kid because I think he just screwed me out of $2 billion. Well, probably. did you check your numbers toward what they were, <laughs> what they were? It doesn't matter because the draw is for today. The ticket that they sold me is for today. I cannot tell you the last time I bought a lottery ticket. 
Like I, yeah, I so it's been at least a decade. Yeah. Now my wife, right, so, every now and then when, when they get big like this, we'll go, right. well, I bought, you know what I mean? A lottery ticket or whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Mm. But, but I can't tell you the last time I bought a lottery so, ticket, but Hey, listen, I stand by this lottery tickets are called the poor tax for a reason. They appeal to poor people who can't do math. And um, you hate when, when people are getting ripped off. I do. This is them getting ripped off. Um, In the same way that cigarettes, tobacco, right, and and all these other things, yes. No, cigarettes at least make you happy. Cigarettes at least make you happy, okay? The lottery is the government saying that, you know, there's a, I forget what movie it was. You you give me a dollar and I hand you 50 cents. Like, that is what the lottery is. Yeah. So, Ewan McGregor was in a film, I forget what it's called, maybe it was called The Island, I think, where it's like wealthy, super wealthy people Mm-hmm. have clones but they their clones have to go live lives or something because that's oh, how the science works yeah, yeah, yeah. that they're raising all the clones and, in this center where they think it's yeah. like post-apocalyptic or something right. like that and you yeah. can't go outside because the air will kill you that kind of thing and mm-hmm. it turned out there was a they had done this this entire thing before um and they realized if that people don't have something to live for that these clones it was just so that they could harvest like wealthy people could harvest organs mm-hmm. basically. But in this movie, they realized if we don't have a lottery that eventually everybody thinks, okay, I'm just going to keep working and my number is going to come up that the, that the clones would, would um, their organ, they would have bad organs or something for the billionaire. Well, they would harvest. just die off. Human beings yes. without a purpose just don't Correct. survive. It's the way we're wired. Correct. So they realized that when the, so they would have this lottery system, they go, man, do you hear so-and-so won the lottery and they get to leave? And it was just that the person needed the, the billionaire needed a heart. So they're right. like, you know, look, people um, need hope. The, people need hope. Yeah. And they will pay and for so, it in the way, in this case, yeah. the lottery. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is this is a scam, but what ended up happening in, in the biggest lottery jackpot in American history they couldn't draw it on time because they had security issues. Hey, pal, just throwing this out there. Your whole job is pulling lottery numbers. Okay. That's all you do. Danny's linking so this to couldn't... some conspiracy theory that, you know what I mean, Nate? Well, here's what I think. I think um, a Republican one. So clearly, that's oh, get I, out I'm, of kidding, here. I'm kidding. Get I'm kidding. Get I'm kidding. out I'm kidding. of here. Okay. That, was a, that was a joke. That was, yes. a, that was a joke. We're, we're 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 live the day after an election and everybody's crying and that makes me happy. Your tears are uh, give me strength. So, but so I'm making some jokes here. But it's um, it was it, to me it was when I first of all pissed that I didn't get my ticket, mm-hmm. and I would have never spent ten dollars. I bought five freaking tickets because it was two billion. I would have never done that for twenty million. Um, that's not the point though. The point is yeah. um. It got delayed for security reasons, and I think that's hilarious. Back in the mid nineties, we went. There was still no lottery here in Texas back then. There are no scratch offs right. either back in Texas back then. And no what? There was no lot. There was no scratch offs. Like you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, Texas yeah, yeah. lottery or any of that stuff. There was no lottery. The closest state that had was part of the mega lottery or whatever. The several state lottery yeah. was Louisiana. Mega millions, right? Yeah. The mega millions or whatever it was, and. 
back in the mid 90s i have no idea what it got up to it got up to some i'm sure at the time it was probably the largest amount ever or whatever right and of course i was working at kmart back then which when kmart was kmart before it started going downhill and uh because of that basically everybody at work got together and just shoveled money together and then me and a buddy of mine that i also worked with at the time drove from dallas texas to shreveport louisiana drove across the border of into louisiana and then bought that many tickets and guess what we weren't the only ones doing that the line was massive of people crossing over the border into louisiana buying these tickets and then just take them back now of course we won jack not but but still yeah. it was what we were doing at the time look my favorite part of the story again every week i try to find something that is a story that is not about the story but it makes me happy in this case i figured out something i didn't know about the lottery which i think okay. is really cool um that in this case and i guess it's this way in the lottery the um the I know what you're going to say. The retailer. Right? Yeah, the retail the store. Retailer. The retailer, the gas station that sold yeah, that the winning it. lottery ticket. They get money too. They get money too. And in this yeah. case, this guy working at his probably the owner of the gas station, probably working that night, right, of the gas right. station. Because that's the way it works, right? The owner of that gas station probably sold this ticket to this person, gets a check for a million dollars just yeah. for selling the winning lottery ticket. Yeah, that is so. What is interesting is when I used to, where I used to live, there was a small family-owned gas station. So when I would buy lottery tickets, I would make a point of it's it's kind of out of my way, but I would make a point to go there because I thought, ah, I don't care if Quick Trip or or you know Speedway yeah. gets. I don't care if they do. Um, and I'm listen. I'm not some socialist hippie, but um, this is called rather, Joe's Service Center. It's yeah. Joe. It's Joe. You can tell by the looking at this guy that this guy was running that cash register. This is Joe's Nick. place. Yeah. Um, I think he's a Syrian immigrant, so I doubt his name's actually Joe. But he I don't stands. Care. What you said stands. But the point is he ended up making a million bucks. And so that I would go – I'm not some sort of socialist, but hey, man, if my actions have a, a – an accidental ripple effect of getting somebody millions of dollars. Jeez, let's do it. Especially if those millions of dollars are from the government. Couldn't be happier. Well, we don't know so, who the, the two, the billionaire is. And really, they're not no. a billionaire there. Because after taxes and, and yada, 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 hey, they're, they're going to end up with gonna six have, or seven hundred million dollars, right? No, Which is still, they're saying it's nine. Well, yeah. But hey, after if you take the lump sum and then you pay the taxes on the lump sum, mm-hmm. You're still wealthier than Kanye West. So <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. So yeah, hopefully they're doing what you should do if you win the lottery, which is before you right. even go and and get the ticket, claim the ticket, you hire a lawyer, you hire a couple of different right. people, you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. do things right from the get go. Yeah. Hopefully that's what now, they're doing, which is what I would do. Right. So I have been prepared for this scenario for about uh two years now. Um, I have a trust. I have an LLC set up in a non-piercing state. Um, that that uh, t- that LLC controls the trust in South Dakota, which again is a non-piercing state. Um, and then I have a handful of attorneys that I've already picked out, ready to go. And then um, I have uh, two corporations: one in Belize, one in the Seychelles. And then you just you just create a never-ending loop of 
capital so you never pay taxes on anything. I don't think you should anything. be doing that on a live episode, just telling everybody how you're doing things. But hey, it's your business. It's you illegal. do with it what you want, right? It's not. I didn't. I didn't do anything that's illegal. <laughs> I set up. I set up a handful of entities. If they end up, by God's grace, if they end up becoming useful to me for one reason or another, all I did was perfectly legal. So. Well, I'll tell you the legal definition in my book. I'll tell you the same thing. I'll tell you live what I tell my children. You have zero dollars. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> you have zero dollars, so you don't have to worry about anything. I think that's all we got today, Danny. Did we miss anything? Yep. We've been out this for I don't a while. Think um, hopefully we can turn around and our next show will be on Friday, you think? Um, no, I can't do it on Friday. I'll explain. Okay, so uh, maybe we can get a weekend episode in this weekend. Yeah. Veterans uh, Day, the place that I rent to do these episodes, they're closed on Veterans Day. Okay, so all right, yeah. then maybe uh, if not this weekend, then definitely on Monday, folks. We yep. appreciate you. We'll see you next time around. Look forward That's to right. seeing you. You know, soon. Yep. Bye. And we're good. Okay. I um I changed all the logos. And I'm listen, I'm really happy that you made me do the APM logo and hire somebody on Fiverr. I'm glad that we did that because I'm so much happier with that with the logo. I'm happy so. that you're happy. Do you like it though? Or are you just whatever? You're happy that I'm happy. Uh, no, b both. I mean, I, I'm, okay. I'm happy with it. Like it, to me, it looks, um, we need to fix the, we need to, we need to come up with a different email. I mean, we can use the market fire email if we want, but okay. we need to have an email address that the APM stuff is going to. Yeah. You know all pod I mean? media Gmail I already have that. Um, but yeah, the the uh, the APM, I like the way I, and I've said this a couple of times, and I guess you really like the blue. I like the original red you had on the APM. Okay. I, I, the that, only reason that I original it. bright red, I don't know what it was about that bright red and white. Okay. It just really looks sleek to me. Yeah. Okay. Now, if it we just do doesn't that. look right in red and you want to keep it this blue, I'm fine with that. But I liked the pop of. You know yeah. what I mean? That that red. So, so the only reason I changed it to the blue was because at some point we had talked about